welcome back to the Level Edit Podcast. Today we'll be talking about scary games because it's Halloween soon and we love scary games, well some of us at least. Uh, today we'll be talking about what games we've been loving that are scary uh, and the design behind horror games. I'm your host Nida, I'm joined by three other people today. Hi, I'm uh, Glyn, I'm currently left blank on Twitter, I do a bunch of kind of software game dev stuff. Uh, hi, I'm Dan. I'm working as an independent developer at the moment, uh, working on a narrative adventure game. Hi, I'm Chris Wilson, CL Wilson on Twitter. I'm the design director at our indie studio, Cardboard Sword. Awesome. So we've got a lovely guest with us today as well to get some great insights on design. So yeah, let's just get straight into it. What horror games do we like or have enjoyed? Shall we start? I can start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so recently, well, I say recently, God, that's scary. The last year, six, eight months, I guess, uh, two I've really liked are actually two like tiny little indie ones, um, one called Paratopic and one called Anatomy. Yeah, they're, they're great because you can finish them in a single sitting. Uh, I can talk a bit more about them. And then sort of going further back, uh, some ones I remember responding to your tweet about, uh, obviously, Alien Isolation, Soma, uh, the first Dead Space, uh, the first Condemned has a lot of fun stuff in it, and I put this in here because I thought it would suck, and then I ended up playing with friends and actually really enjoying it. Uh, is Until Dawn? I really enjoyed oh, that. Yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm probably the worst type of person to have on this podcast because I tend to avoid horror uh, like the plague. That being said, ironically, I watch a lot of it on YouTube. I think I've watched basically entire playthroughs of those games because I'm too scared to play them. Um, but I do like kind of like action horror is the word I came up to describe it as, kind of like Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl, uh, or even Subnautica, because I am terrified of deep water, so I kind of class that as a horror. Um, I have played some kind of horror games, like Spooky's House of Jump Scares was quite good. Uh, I didn't finish that because I kind of crapped myself, but um, I did enjoy that. Uh, and I like the general kind of spooky Halloween vibes. Um, I really enjoyed like Warcraft's Hallow's End events, um, or kind of like Spirit stuff with like eastern you have like spirits and demonic cultivated stuff or even like the kind of english myths like cthulhu and um the beasts of bobmin uh kind of old world kind of english horror stories are quite fun uh myself i am not really much of a horror game player either you know bit of a <laughs> scaredy cat uh i did play through amnesia and i really enjoyed that um and another one that I played was The Last of Us. I haven't actually played the second installment yet, but um, yeah, The Last of Us was, I really liked that. I really liked the story. I liked the characters. Uh, I liked the mechanics. That was cool. It seems like we have quite a range of tastes for horror, either liking it or kind of liking it or not really. Or running away um, scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I personally love horror, but not like the jump scare horror. Um, I like the stuff that like kind of messes with your mind to some degree. Um, so I think for me it's always going to be Alien because I'm going to mention that on every episode. That's my goal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that game literally encapsulates nearly everything I love about horror. Um, you know, the imagination aspect of using that as a game mechanic or just scaring the life out of you. Um, I also do like, I think Until Dawn has to be my second favorite just because of like the whole strong narrative aspect that you don't get in a lot of horror games. A lot of horror games just like want to scare you but then forget the actual people you're playing as or playing with. Um, but yeah, that, that's some core parts of horror games for me. Um, but yeah, I was just really interested in learning more about, you know, we all love in some 
degree to play horror games or watch other people play horror games, but what is it about them that actually makes them, I guess, scary or, you know, interesting? We'll start with Chris, actually. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I think normally the thing that uh, makes a horror game a horror game is compared to, uh, you know, a lot of video games, but not all, is you are very consciously disempowered. Um, sometimes that is in quite obvious manners like you have no means of defense or no means of attack um but also it can be things more like um lacking of clear information like uh, you might not know who you are let alone what anything else is even what you're able to do like can i do this can i open this door can i do that and obviously in the wrong context uh, normally those are all bad things you want to tell people how to do these things what they are where they're going but for a horror game that's one of the things you take away um and if it's done correctly um you know it works really well i think um you know uh, aliens a good example right we can dive into it a bit more but uh, the creature itself like they very consciously um even you know you may know it from the movies and stuff but they very consciously they don't make it very clear um what affects it like can it see it doesn't tell you it never says that it can see or it can't see can it smell you they never really tell you um so you have this you know huge amount of uncertainty which makes you feel vulnerable and on top of that obviously they very strongly disempower you in that game and most most horror games i think are um, that way i think the more you know the less you have the the less disempowered you are the more you're tending towards action like something like uh dead space or resident evil um because the thing for me always with dead space is i love those games uh the first one in particular um but the thing dead space always has is things can be incredibly scary until you train your crosshair on it and then it's not scary anymore um which other games obviously uh don't have but yeah i think so basically i think Lack of information and disempowerment are the things that make um, a game scary, to me at least. Yeah, I think um, I'm pretty much on the same page. I think you always need something that you don't know for horror to be truly effective. But I also think, at least in a lot of the stuff I tend to like, um, I like having this kind of sense of familiarity juxtaposed with all this new stuff that you don't know about. Like in in Alien... um, isolation you're always you're going through the station and you're repeating like similar ish tasks Mm -hmm. obviously like layouts very different the enemies sometimes change up like you might have androids the behavior of the AI changes so it's almost like that feeling of you're against one hand's on the wall and the other hand's kind of reaching out into the darkness um i feel that a lot with like subnautica where you go into a new area and you're almost like one hand's reaching into the previous area where you know about everything you know how to be safe in that area but you know you've also got to go into the dark to kind of understand or achieve your next objective, so to speak. Yeah. My point's uh, pretty much exactly the same as Chris's. I've got powerlessness. Like with amnesia, you don't actually have any way to fight the creatures, the gatherers that are wandering around. So your only, your only way to actually stay alive is just running away and hiding in the darkness, which itself is pretty scary again. I think hiding is quite an interesting mechanic that pops up in a lot of scary games. And I think that also adds to the uncertainty element of it. You don't actually ever know. Well, in the beginning, you really don't know the mechanics of the monsters that you're up against. Um, so if you're hiding in the dark, you don't know, you know, how good are their eyes? Like you mentioned, how far can they see? How long does it take until they de and go away? 
Um, there's a lot of questions that you're like, you don't really know, so you just kind of sat waiting, praying that you can't actually be seen. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I know with uh, I know with uh, Friction, all those guys, like I've been lucky enough to meet some of them and read a lot about you know how they do things, and you know. It, they are very purposeful and deliberate in the way that they try and obfuscate all of those mechanics you've just described. Um, like, you know, both in the design of the creatures, like you can't tell if they have eyes, they don't, you know, tend to make it clear if they can see you or how they sense you. Um, because as soon as you start thinking about them mechanically, as you've just described, to a degree, it's kind of takes something away from it, if that makes sense. Like, it's you just need to be like, I have no idea what the hell's going on. I need to get away from it. If you start thinking, hmm, well, I wonder how far it can see and maybe I can just wait outside this range and if I hide in the dark, then it won't find me. Um, which is why, you know, they purposefully have uh, creatures that will, for example, you know, ignore you most of the time in the dark, but then sometimes will attack you anyway. Which again, for a traditional game, would suck. It would be incredibly frustrating. But in a horror game, they need to kind of thwart you from trying to mechanically understand them. It's the same reason, uh, again, going back to everyone's favorite, evidently, in Alien, um, it purposefully, uh, sometimes it will turn around for no reason. Literally, it will turn around for no reason. And that's just so that you can't ever think, yeah, okay, it's going over here now. I can totally walk near it. Um, and that's on top of having things like, um, you know, it has stuff like uh, you've got in Thief and other games where it has a, it literally has an eye in the back of its head. So you can't ever tail it. But on top of that, it will also... I, some of my best memories from that game are times where I'm watching it at sort of a mid-distance and I'm just thinking about leaving and for no reason it just turns around and you're like, okay, right. You know, I, I don't understand you. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's really important. It's quite cool. It kind of feeds back into what we were saying in our last discussion or in another podcast that we had about AI. Um, and we are talking about, you know, how sophisticated is the AI? And you said, you know, maybe it just randomly turns around, but it could be that the player sort of ascribes that action to some of their own actions that they perform. yeah i mean that 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 would be something i'm sure they would like people to think uh like i said i'm not i wouldn't put money on it but i'm nearly certain i've been told i'm pretty sure it does just sometimes turn around for no reason like just because yeah you know you don't want to basically you know you need to turn that from again like something like thief or whatever where you learn the patrols and you follow a you can follow a dude around and sure if you get too close to him even from behind he will you know they do have a cone in the back of their head so they'll turn around but with alien on top of that it does just have it does have almost entirely random actions just to sort of stop you from figuring that out and as you said i'm sure some people will be convinced that there are certain things that it did were because they did a thing um and that's when you've won really like if your if your mental model like the what you've built up isn't isn't sort of one-to-one -one with actually what exists then they have succeeded i mean i still have a memory from that game that you know what probably was just this random turnaround for no reason behavior but it worked great um i was hidden in this little locker staring at it and it was sort of pacing up and down it hadn't seen me and i'm like ah, okay everything's fine and it walked to the opposite end of this large room i was in and i'm looking at it going okay probably about time to come out and it was at walking pace at this stage and then without warning um it spun around ran as fast as it could straight towards the locker i was in and then just sort of turned at the last minute and went somewhere else I have no idea why it did that, um, and I never will, and that's great. Um, I think the thing, which we've, I think we've got some sections on this a bit later, but we'll come to, I think why Alien suffers, unfortunately, is because it's so bloody long that eventually uh, you start to you start to figure it out. Like it, they gradually change it up, so the way it behaves does change in reaction to you, but eventually you start to sort of 
see how it does things. But at that point in the game, I had literally no idea why I did that. And it never happened again for the entire game. Um, it wasn't something that was scripted. And yeah, that's, you know, that's what's great. And to be honest, most of my encounters uh, in uh, Soma when I played it the first time with the AI, like, you know, uh, aggressive, same kind of thing. Like, um, it was very hard to work out what they were doing. Like, uh, and as I said, I'm fortunate enough to know, um, well, actually, to be fair, they put it in all their, their blogs and stuff, but that's very purposeful. Like, they, you know, like the basic mechanic they have, I think it's in Amnesia as well, right? Where it's like, just looking at the creature makes you less i can't they change it for different things but basically they discourage you from looking at it full stop right and that's part of that it's like okay the less time you can actually look at it the less time you have to figure out oh okay it's just doing a patrol like i think the start of one of the amnesias well, it might be one of the amnesias i think the first enemy is basically a sort of it's almost just like a dog right it's like some wall for a dog doesn't matter what anyway and actually after playing it many times i realized that it basically just patrols around in like a four point like a square but because I just just too scared to ever look at it, I didn't realize that at all. Um, and I think that's you know that's where the that's where the magic is. It's the kind of Slenderman experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's why that worked, right? I mean, yeah. like, who knows if they were quite you know intentionally hit upon that? But that's exactly why that worked because if you can't spend ages looking at it, um, yeah, you can't kind of figure out how it works. <laughs> You can't see that it's literally just a translate in your direction. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And obviously obviously that has a shelf life, which is probably what I don't know, ten minutes maybe. <laughs> probably a good ten minutes. Yeah, there's there's an interesting thing to that where it's like, you know, we try to contextualize every single situation we're in. Um I think horror games literally like subvert player expectations based on any other game we've played. Uh, horror horror does like take stuff from other types of games but i think you know the way you subvert player expectations is so different um like you're saying you know when you can't see the monster you're probably gonna assume that it's probably more scary or more deadly than it is and it's that that's what i really love about horror games you know you're always on your feet and there's like um a constant state of tension that you kind of want to release but mm. i like that feeling Maybe it's weird, but I kind of like that feeling of being vulnerable throughout the game. I think that's what heightens the fear as you go along. Where you're like, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's a weird type of fun. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so actually picking up on that uh, is, I can't remember who said this or where I read it, but um, I think it's so true is that horror and comedy are basically the same thing right uh they are both just uh, as you said like subversion of expectation like most jokes right are like you say if you punch you say a few things and you're expecting one outcome and the pu the punchline subverts what you expect but in that way it's humorous whereas with horror obviously you're expecting a certain outcome and then something you didn't expect happens but it's actually horrific so it's actually the same kind of tempo and pace um which means that as you're saying like um to be able to design a horror encounter you've got to understand how to do things the way you would traditionally in a video game because you've got to get the player to go you know have this conversation where you're like oh okay i understand that a and b and c happen and then as they move from a to b as they go to c something happens um and instead of just being like you know a mild surprise it's you know it's quite shocking or terrifying um or you know you give them you understand for example again it seems to be a good touch point for all of us so i use it um in alien for a lot of the time right it goes okay well 
the alien can hear you. Here are, here are some ways, you know, you can avoid making noise or you can misdirect it. And then you go, okay, well, now I know that, uh, you know, if I turn this generator on, which I need to turn on to progress, it's going to make a load of noise, but then it's going to let me escape. And then you have situations where you do that and that doesn't happen, right? Something else happens and actually it makes things far worse for you. Um, and you weren't really expecting that to happen. But you still, with all these things, you still need to know how, um, you know, you need to be able to direct the player's attention as you would with any video game, right? You still need to know where they're likely to be looking, where they're likely to be going so that you can mess with that. And yes, as you brought up, like the, you know, the most like, uh, you know, brutal example is something like Slenderman, right? Where you go, well, I know the player is looking here because I made them look here and there's nothing else to look at. And so I know that they are not looking behind them, obviously. And then they turn around and something is there. And obviously, as I said, like that is like, the most basic example but you still had to have a situation where you know they were likely to look a certain way and they were they had a certain expectation of how things would unfold and then you subvert that by having something that just appears um so yeah i think that's i think that's really interesting and i think as some of you mentioned like when you get games that are like you know 90 percent jump scares i think that's like kind of a fundal fundamental sort of uh, misunderstanding of how these games actually work it's like it's not scary because you know uh it's actually the thing that winds me up about you know the most boring horror movies actually it's exactly the same problem right it's like you get these horror movies that literally the whole movie is just here's what i'm doing for the whole movie quiet 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 loud quiet 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 loud and you jump and you go well yeah it's a basic human reaction i will jump if things get quiet and then they are loud but there's nothing there's nothing on top of that. There's no, you know, there's no depth to it. Um, and to build that depth, you have to, you have to make a good game underneath, right? There has to be something that it's actually working. And then you know, you need to know what do you think people are thinking and then mess with that. Um, and yeah, and that, go on, sorry. No, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that it's kind of like a film as well, because I don't know, I mean, horror is such a strange genre <laughs> because you have horror, but it's not really a genre of, it, of its own. You've got action. Sometimes there's like puzzle elements to it. And sometimes it feels like the gameplay isn't actually the important part. It's all about the experience, building up the atmosphere. Um, that is just... definitely true, yeah. Um, I mean, the weirdest thing we realize uh, with this, and it's the same in any game, but again, I think it's probably more forefront with horror. And it goes along with what you're saying um, about, you know, it's not about seeing the creature or anything like that, seeing what's going on. Um, you realize that actually nearly all of the game takes place in your head, right? Like actually what you see in front of you and you moving around and as you said, solving puzzles or whatever, it's kind of immaterial. It's more like what you're thinking about in your head and what you think might happen and what the outcome of this might be and how you start to have this journey. Um and so, yes, you know, obviously in a film, that's very structured. Um, well, that's a good example, right? So in a good horror movie, right, there's a nice structure and these things are happening. But then also the, sub the subversions and scary stuff happens and horrible situations that build upon these happen. But unfortunately, both the games actually on reflection and films in the horror genre, um, it's easy to make ones that are just cheap. It's like, oh, we don't have any of that. It's just we'll have jump scares for 90 minutes. Um, and basically anyone can do that and you know I, I think there's this you know it seems to play horror a bit more than others everyone thinks oh well i can do that like i can make something that's scary like that pops out and scares you and it's like you can once or twice um and then you know you don't have anything left um which is why 
<laughs> I can't, I can't, I keep bringing this up in a, a few podcasts actually, which is why again, Alien struggles because it's so long, it's so mm. long. Um, it's like having the last ten minutes of the first Alien film for twenty hours. It doesn't quite work because you just you can't you can't maintain that for that long. I mean that was yeah that was quite heavy, but I think it, it's a really interesting point. Like I guess maybe this can answer the design thing later, but it's like taking influences from things like horror movies or things like that because you know there are similarities. Um, in how you create an experience um, with games it just happens to be very interactive but um, mm. this actually leads nicely onto my next question what features do you see in horror games that you you think have stood out to you or you've been like that's a really good mechanic or a really bad mechanic or something like that I think going back to what you're saying about kind of the, the players building this mental model of the game in their head I mean for any game, you're going to have that, but with horror, it's far more important just because sometimes it's it's what they conceptualize about the things that are in your game that are far more important in horror than any other genre, perhaps. Um, I think sometimes, and it doesn't have to be necessarily a system that's baked in, but having something somewhere either in your design phase or actual system in the game that tries to anticipate players' intent and it might be, sure, you run through like thousands of user testing and you realize like what people do and how certain behaviors um, start to develop in people as they're playing through the game and you tweak the game in order to respond to that. Or you specifically have a system in the game that says this person has been moving very quietly, has been very careful the past like, you know, five minutes. So, you know, how do you want the game to react to that? Um, I think so, like I've, I've seen it in recently in a game we played called Six of Corindia, uh, whereby if you stand in an area to grind mobs, the, uh, the level itself will actually start spawning more mobs. It will start increasing the rate of like rare drops because it's kind of anticipating what you're doing and responding to that. Um, and it's something that I see more in horror games with the design phase where like Alien Isolation, they've started thinking about like places you would move or places you would you know what, what behaviors are people building do they just dart from under the table to under the table and so they have to build in like a whole segment of the alien to deal with people who like to hide under tables or closets or yeah there was some interesting stuff with that because i remember uh, i was one of these people who uh evidently spent longer than they had expected hiding in lockers i wasn't alone because i remember them talking about it and it, you can get in this feedback loop, which is one of their solutions to this. It's like if you go in a locker, even if it doesn't detect you, because I don't know if you've, I can't remember, uh, there was a blog or something written about it, but I assume you guys know, right, that there's kind of like, it's got kind of two stages to it. It's like a director level that knows everything in the world, including where you are and uh does its own brain and so it has stages where most of the time it does what well, the, the its own brain never cheats but the director level can could be like i'm not going to tell you why but maybe go and have a lovely look in that room go on have another look um and so you can end up in this feedback loop where uh if it comes into a room and you're hiding in a locker and you don't move it 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 will come back to that room quicker like each time it leaves but you're in that locker it will return sooner so if you're me and you're going, I'm going to stay here until it goes away. And in the worst places, it only happened to me once or twice. You'd be in this locker and it would come into the room and be like, 
I don't know why I'm in here, but I really feel like I should be in here. And then it would leave, and then it would come back, and then it would leave, and it would come back. And I'm like, well, eventually one time, it just it was stood in the room, and it never left. And I was like, oh, well. And I just opened the lock- locker and walked into it, because <laughs> like, I couldn't get out. Um, yeah. And so that was, um, yeah, I think, yeah, that was to try and discourage you from staying in lockers too long. But some people in my category were like, well, no, you've actually encouraged me to stay in it indefinitely because it looks like my window is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, But yeah, you're right. They spent a long time uh, seeing how people played it and trying to uh, deal with those. And um, to be honest, apart from that one example, I think they were very successful in, uh, you know, discouraging the kind of behavior they didn't want you to do uh, in a way that made sense for that creature. Um, So speaking of those uh, mechanics and stuff, uh, one thing I actually really did like is so the first time I played Soma, I played it on release and it just had the normal mode where the enemies could kill you and sort of knock your progress back. And then I don't know if you saw quite close to release, someone made an unofficial mod that just uh, disabled them like they couldn't kill you, but they were still there. And uh, I actually I remember, oh God, it would have been not too long after the game was out, I actually I can't, I, this happens sometimes really but I literally bumped into them at GDC and I asked them about it because like, I'm really curious like what do you think of it and literally the action, the reaction was yeah I wish we'd thought of that <laughs> um, and so they officially added it um, I can't remember what they call it but it is a normal mode and I played through it again recently with that mode on and you know what it's so much better uh, for the reasons we've talked about because um, I'm no longer like most of the game you could sort of easily avoid them and you don't worry about it too much but the, some of the sections I found trickier, it got to the point where after they'd killed me two or three times, I'm not really in the horror mode anymore. I'm in a mechanical mode. I'm like, right, how far can it see? How fast can it run? How do I avoid it? And it just takes you out of the experience. Whereas now, you know, when I played it, you can go look at them if you want to, um, but mostly you don't want to because it's horrific and sad. And yeah, you just don't want to be anywhere near that. Um, and also you get to soak up so much more of the atmosphere. There were huge parts where there was lots of uh, interesting things to look at and see that I'd just never seen before because I was being strongly pressured to leave that area. Again, um, I, I, I'm amazed that people read any of the um, you know computer dialogue terminal thingies in Alien. When did you ever think it was safe to read one of those? I never, ever, ever thought, I'm just going to fire up this computer and read this text document. Uh, so I didn't read a single one. Um, so yeah, it, obviously it wouldn't work for every game. In Alien it would be strange, but uh, in Soma I actually think that worked great. Just simply having fewer mechanics, like they just they didn't need them. They didn't need these, um, you know, creatures that pursued you and killed you. It was, yeah, it was a much better experience for me. That's really interesting. Oh, you can. Okay, I've got a current that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think it's really interesting what you were saying. Um, when I was doing some research about like horror games and what makes them interesting, um, they talked a lot about slowness. Um, so when you die, you don't just get insta-killed. So you, you know, your deaths are slow. You normally have to take a few hits. When there are monsters, uh, typically the slow-moving monsters are kind of the scariest because you know, you'd think it would be the opposite. But if you have a fast-moving monster that's just straight on you as soon as it sees you and then you're dead, then... There's no chase to it, and the chase is the scary part. Actually dying isn't very scary. When I, dead, yeah. yeah, I'd say I usually find that. Uh, so 
So, for example, one of the many master strokes of the original Left 4 Dead is you know when you trigger certain events and you get that distant howling noise before the horde comes in, that distance before they arrive, like, obviously that's not horror, but it's that's the intensity. That's when the maximum intensity is when you know that something is about to happen. And you're right, when it happens, either you're engaged with what you're doing or it's over. I mean, I remember, yeah, with uh, again with Alien, like any of the times where I screwed up and it was going to kill me, I I ran into it because I just wanted the, that tension to end. I literally just ran into it, um, and so if that wasn't an option to me, yeah, the, there's that tension and the, as you say, it's all in the build up. Like actually, uh, you know, uh, when you see it. In fact, I'm sure. God, I wish I could remember which game, but I'm sure with some, you know, they actually did all the biometric stuff. And yeah, um, the tension is like as soon as you are killed, that you just go, ah, like you know, as soon as the little animation plays of that alien snapping your head off is playing, you're like, ah. And obviously, if you're trying to maintain that level of tension over a period of time, you actually don't want that. Um, and I think the argument with Alien is that the tension was supposed to be, you know, as well combined with like, oh, you were going to lose a lot of progress because of how the save stuff worked. And not sure how I feel about that. I mean, I yeah, for some people I think that works. Um but I think that yeah, as soon as as soon as it was on you, then yeah, you know, it's not it's not so bad anymore. But you're right, I think uh yeah, the slower moving stuff, the stuff where you've got you've got the time to realise that's that's what it is, right? You've got just enough time to be like, Oh no, I did mm-hmm. that thing. That's the that's the power of it, I think. Yeah, it reminds me of how the the first shot always misses you if it comes from behind. That kind of true. Mm. So you see the yeah, shot yeah. and you're like, oh god. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's much better than if it hit you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I think going back to what we said about uncertainty again in the beginning, um, when you do get the game overs, you typically met the monster and it's killed you. And what you were saying about when you don't see the creature, you don't actually know what it is, a lot of times you're dissuaded from looking at it. And it like you said, the game is in your head. You don't know what it looks like. You're kind of, you know what a bit of its head looks like and you've seen maybe like a tendril or an arm or something. Uh, and then you're just sort of filling in the gaps. And when you do actually find these creatures and you see them a lot, they become a lot less scary. It's like we were saying with Slenderman, you're told to, you have to look away from it immediately. But if you were to just stare at it for 20 seconds, it probably wouldn't be scary at all anymore. So... Um, I think in particular when you're getting lots of game overs you typically see the thing that's killing you and I think that can also desensitize you a little bit to the horror because you know what it looks like now and especially on you know maybe an indie game where the models aren't that great but it looks all right in the shadows um it could really make it not as horrifying as you want your yeah to I mean uh we've actually who knows if we actually get to make it we've actually considered you know making a horror game with our uh with our studio and to be honest uh most of the budget levels we're talking about i would push very hard to not visualize it at all like literally i wouldn't make an asset because as you say either it's not going to be very good or we're going to spend a disproportionate amount of time and money to make something that really if we've done our job right you're never going to see um so yeah i think unless you've got a wider context it's never going to work in your favor uh, so thinking of the examples we talked about like it works with soma um because the horror the horror from that game is more you know existential it doesn't really come from oh no this thing's going to kill me it comes from you know without spoilers for anyone who still would like to play it it's more like 
you know, as cliche as it sounds, it really does work in this game. It comes from um, what, what you know, what does it mean to be human? Am I still a human? Are these things still human? Uh, and the things, the choices that you have to make, the things that you are forced to do, um, you know, they're not just what you're doing in the game. It's like it's challenging what you think outside of the game. It's bringing that, you know, that lasting horror. Like, you know, you finish that game and you're like, huh, okay. <laughs> Like, what if these things, what would I actually do? Or what, you know, how easy was it for me to change my perspective? So for that, you know, incredibly well-written, great characters, the rest of it. So the fact that you get to stare at these monsters if you want doesn't really affect anything. Um, and obviously with Alien, uh, the presumption is most people already kind of know kind of how it works. So there's no sense, you know, really hiding it. Everyone kind of knows how it works. Um, but yeah, if you're doing a low-budget horror thing, then you've got to be more creative which is why um those ones i mentioned uh anatomy and paratopic are both very smart uh in how they do it um i mean for example in anatomy um it's uh incredibly it's a very light so i'd say like sort of it looks kind of like ps1 era graphics and you're just moving around a pretty simple house and it's more relies on audio and um there's no you know you never see a creature it's just it's all implied and also it's only about an hour long and in that situation yeah it um it works great but i think yeah just just try and avoid showing it like you've got so little to gain by showing it unless you've unless you want to lean into those mechanics which is obviously when you're getting into like dead space territory where yeah you know as i said like with dead space you know really they have a lot of cool horror things in it but really like as soon as you point your crosser on it it's like okay actually we have enough mechanics to support this so it doesn't matter that you spend ages staring at them and because obviously you have to learn how they work they don't mind that yeah i think it, that's quite insightful i guess because just going back to that point about your fail states i thought was interesting um and i don't know the answer to this question i just thought about it whilst you were talking but it was like you know you need to avoid repetition when you're kind of putting people in these fail states because they'll become desensitized but I guess how else, because usually games show you, like, you in a situation of death to show that you failed. Yeah. But what can you do as an alternative thing without the player getting bored or not caring as much? Well, so my understanding is a lot of the reason you build this association of, you know, because people, when you're playing these games, no matter how involved you are, right, you're not actually afraid you're going to die, obviously. Um what you're doing is, and I forget there's a term for this, there's a psychological term which I don't remember, but basically you are, the tension is, oh no, I'm going to lose my progress, I'm going to lose, you know, this time I've, I've used, I'm going to lose it, and this tension is building and building and building, and you associate that with, you know, you think, oh, well, it's a high-tension situation, I must be afraid of these things, you know, this is the kind of the same thing. Um, so that's why you feel tense, right? You feel tense mostly because you're like, oh, I don't want to have to do all this again. Like, I don't want to, like, again, like, as I said, Alien really leans into it. It's like, here is your overt save point. As soon as you're done saving here, anything you do after this, you're going to lose. And you're like, no, no, I really don't want to lose this. I really don't want to lose this. Um, but I think with a lot of games, I think you just have to accept that so like that's what i mean it's like that is that is one way of making you feel tense for a long period of time um but i don't think it's the only one um and again as a you know i've accidentally learned on quite a lot i mean for example one way is that i think you only really need these kind of things if your games are quite long 
like Dead Space and Alien stuff, you know, they're 10, 20 plus hours long. So you need these big periods of, you know, raising tension, falling tension, rising tension, falling tension, and you need lots of intro and outro. Um, if your whole game is an hour, two hours, let's say three hours max, you don't need to do that. Um, you know, because it's like, why, why take away their progress? Doesn't matter. Like, um, it's not the only way to get tension in players. Uh, as I said, you know, you can give them a lot else to do, right? Uh, for example, in Paratopic, you're switching between different characters and different times, and deliberately, it doesn't really make it clear which way around it's going. So you've got a lot to do. You've got a lot to think about. Um, you know, there's never any thought of, oh, I hope I don't screw it up and have to watch this bit again. It's like, you know, it's... Yeah, I, I think... I think it's just one of those things. Is that is one way to do it, and it definitely works. So people fall back on it a lot. Um, but I think, um, you know, there are definitely other ways. Uh, as I, as you know, actually, I've kind of already covered. Like with with Soma, you don't need it. Um, the yeah, the the tension and on you know and the horror and stuff like that. As I said, it's horrible existential stuff where you're just like oh god i you know i thought i knew what i was and what i am and actually you spend some time thinking about it and you're like maybe not um and i think that's yeah i i think i think i'm as time goes on i'm much more a fan of stuff that's just shorter and punchier because you don't have to you don't have to worry about this you don't have to have these huge you know like ins and outs um it's so weird as well when you think about it like particularly uh like you know in dead space that well actually both of them right dead space and they bend over backwards to add world context to everything and then you have this very abstract concept being it's like a save point it's like what is this what does it actually do what does it really mean oh nothing but you know uh yeah i I guess i'm just kind of done with it i guess i guess it's also becoming a bit older i'm like my time is incredibly valuable now i'm like if yeah if a game is just not sensitive with my time like i'm just like i'm probably probably not going to bother um and i just think yeah i think there are other ways to do it and i'd like people to try <laughs> more often yeah i was actually listening to the uh the amnesia talk before this which is kind of on the same thing where they experimented with like dying and checkpoints and in the end they went for a system where you just you kind of respawn or you wake up again, essentially, randomly in a nearby location, but everything is kind of not quite the same. And, I, you know, I think there's this incentive to kind of justify this to the player, mm-hmm. but I think them not bothering a... almost made it kind of better, because you're like, well, did they just leave me here? Is this just some <laughs> kind of, like, unending torture that they're visiting upon me? Um, yeah, definitely. I think, like... It may be mentioned in that talk, if if not that talk, some of the guys' other talks, where you're basically saying that you've got to change change the challenge from like, oh, you know, uh, okay, what you know, what's really bad, what's horrible, dying, okay, what's worse than dying, not dying, like how do you make not dying worse? Um, and I think yeah, it took them a while to get it right, and they almost accidentally didn't with Soma, but yeah, I think that works because as I said with that, it's like. What makes it bad is that you can't die. You just have to live with these horrible choices <laughs> you had to make, right? That's worse. Like, if you, as yeah. we said, you know, if you die, it's just a big release of tension. You go, oh, I didn't do that. Don't worry about it. But if instead you're like, nope, I'm here and I did those things, um, 
I think that can be worse. Um, but you're right, they did do some cool stuff with Amnesia. I remember, yeah, they sort of, I think with some of them, right, if it killed you a few times, they would just get rid of that monster or move it somewhere completely different um, mm. to, I think, as you say, they were trying to just very directly attack this kind of fatigue of like, okay, well, it didn't work this time. This time I'll try moving left instead of right. Instead, you know, if you did that, you'd be like, oh, it's not there anymore. Um, and so, yeah, you can't figure it out. But yeah, I just think there's there's room for a lot more experimentation, especially when people sort of move away from this idea of, you know, a triple A box title. I think horror is one of the best areas for, um, you know, experimentation um, because you don't, you do, as we've discussed, you know, because you, for most of the examples, you don't need to visualize the creature or anything that's actually attacking you. You don't need a lot of money. You just have to be good, um, which is much harder, unfortunately. <laughs> you can't just throw money at the problem. I think it's really interesting what you're talking about save points generating tension. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I I wish I could remember where it came from, but um, it's. I'm sure Nidhi can help me out, but it's something to do with like. So you know you're, you're going to lose something, right? And that just goes up and up and up and up, and you know that you're going to lose something, and you kind of shift that tension over into you know you go your brain's kind of like oh well i'm feeling all this tension i must be feeling this tension because it's a scary thing and actually a lot of it is purely just like you don't want to lose and you know that you can and obviously every second that you continue to live you know that you're going to lose more and more and more until you reach the safe point and then you're like okay i reset it now um and yeah, you know, it's it's effective up until a point. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It seems kind of scummy. Oh gosh, like you're saying, well, as you yeah. get older, your time is valuable, and you don't. <laughs> I mean, it works. I think, and it, I think, I would say this use of it isn't like intentionally scummy. It's certainly like it's it can and has been abused in you know free to play markets and stuff. The whole you know loss aversion, right? It's like just just. What is it? So, you know, it's like changing your focus from wanting to win to not wanting to lose is like mm. a huge thing. Um, so I would say that for these games, I wouldn't. I know what you're saying. Like it's, yeah, it's, you know, horror, horror's allowed to break the rules. It's fine. You can be a bit, you can be a bit scummy to, you know, because you know what your goal is. You kind of go on with that. But yeah, other things, it can be quite nasty. Um, but definitely, as I, yeah, as I said, my time increases in value. Uh, I just think it's. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that's just been accepted. Like you're like, well, Resident Evil did it, so you know horror games have to have limited saves and save points. And for some people, yeah, that's super effective. Um, and also, I guess to be clear, it's like for some kind of horror games, yeah, sure, why not? Um, I think it's just sometimes taken as well. Of course, you know, let's this is this is a done area. We don't need to explore any more any more here. And I think, yeah, so particularly with shorter stuff, you find that doesn't matter like you don't need this you know you don't it, again compared to a lot of other genres right you're free to be in situations where you don't even need to have winning or losing like it's you don't need to win a horror game you just need to survive it right it doesn't um matter and again you know you get outliers like uh dead space where clearly right you can be more proficient at that you can kill more stuff with less ammo and yada 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 but with every other you know with many of these other horror games it doesn't matter um it's uh, again it's more what happens in your head it's more what you think about it. it it whereas you know um there's lots of external stuff you can look at in stuff like dead space other action stuff where you know that you're doing better or worse but um 
you know if i think of again if you think of soma with no killing right for example it's like how do i decide if i did better or worse other than speed running it it doesn't matter i just think yeah i'm I'm much more interested in stuff that just takes all that out of the equation it's not for me anymore yeah i guess i guess like the problem i can see with having no reliance on safe systems is people start to treat it like it's a game possibly i mean it's not easy i think um it is tricky i think the, the argument i have against that is that if you have like as the examples we were talking about like a very overt save system where it's like you are saving and now it is not saving and you will lose this progress nothing yells this is a game more than showing <laughs> you that like you know it's like and again you kind of accept it because of its action basis but for example like dead space i love you know zero ui and it's all very immersive all very diegetic it's beautiful right it is and you're really on this spaceship and then you go to a thing on the wall that says <laughs> save points, saving to slot one. And you're like, okay, well, this is a game now. And, you know, again, it has lots of mechanics, so it's not so fussed about it. But I feel that undoes a lot of that work. Um, and with Alien, I think they did an admirable job because they really tried to make that, you know, they made it look like it would belong in the film. And it's all, you know, mechanically it makes sense. But it's still, I would argue, you know, it makes you go, I am playing a game. Um, mm. whereas if you no longer you know none of your questions are about that then I think uh, it kind of frees you up um, as I said like uh, Soma the second time through and other stuff you just don't think about that anymore like when you when that thing goes out of your head of like oh I might have to redo this bit or I might lose progress you know it just, just takes all the stuff out of your brain um, but obviously you have to design around it you're right because if you if you just took a game that was mechanically built around save points um, and took them out, then yeah, that doesn't work either. Obviously, like in Alien, you know, it would never work. Like if you if you if all you did was took them out, because yeah, you just run around, you just keep running into it until uh, you know, you know, yeah, you you just start abusing how it worked. Um, and I tried to do that, and it's pretty it's pretty resilient to being abused actually <laughs> in isolation. That's. Uh, it's yeah it's it's fun to try you can't help it though um uh the fun thing i remember about that though is that as it just kind of reminded me i might forget later is that so they have this thing where so you can do all the crafting stuff right and build distraction devices and things like that so the one thing with that is um again talking about the mental model and everything right even though as a game designer and just generally as a player i knew that these distraction devices had to work because that's the point of them existing I would look at the creature and I'd be like, it's never going to work. It's not going to be fooled by this. So I literally never used them uh, until basically the end of the game where I'm sure it is technically possible, but it would it's very hard to progress without misdirecting it. Um, the thing is, they built this thing alongside it, right, where the whole idea is that um, to make it appear as if it's learning from you and, you know, it kind of it moves in step with you, is that each time you use these items, uh, it reacts to them a bit differently and eventually ignores them. So, for example, with a distraction device, the first time you chuck one, it's very interested in it and it will almost completely ignore you and run over and look at it. And the second time, it will generally move over to it. And the third time, it might look at it. And beyond the third time, it's like, yeah, I don't really care about that. So because I had never used them, literally, I saw at one end of the corridor almost running towards me, and I just threw the distraction <laughs> device right in front of it and ran away. 
and it just made apparently what was supposed to be a very challenging part of the game really easy and i remember speaking to some of the designers about it and they're like yeah well people like you that will just happen like i think i think for most people that doesn't occur because they use them and by the time they reach the end of the game they're not that effective um same thing with the flamethrower right the first time you use it it's super effective like it will run away from you and i think again don't know how many times but after a number of times uh it's really cool actually i do really appreciate it after a number of times uh, what it does instead is it just backs off and waits because obviously you don't have much fuel um but yeah the first time you use it it is literally a get out of jail free card like you can just run into it and just flame it and it will run away um but I only knew that like right at the end when I was like, <laughs> I don't really know how to get out of the situation. So I'm pretty much just going to cheese it and uh, it works. But uh, so normally, you know, I spent the whole game not really thinking about that. And the save stuff just kind of it works because, as I said, I, I'll double check this thing later and come back on it. But I believe that like on some level, those things just do work like that level of tension just is inescapable because, you know, you're going to lose a chunk of time. Um, but yeah i just rather not <laughs> yeah. i'd rather not uh yeah different different fail states other than well goodbye to your progress is you know i'm always interested in anyone that tries to do something with that yeah i mean i think the thing that puts me off it a little bit the most is that once the player's focus becomes just can i survive until the next save point you stop focusing on like the actual objectives you're more just quickly trying to jam everything in because the objective is not it's to tick the box to get to the save point rather than to tick the box to get to the next area kind of thing exactly yeah i think when it comes down to it when you are looking at these core features or side features you've got to consider different player types and what they're going to be interested in because the way chris what it sounds like he played alien is completely different to how i would have played it Hmm. um and i think you trying to balance that tension well, those different types of players must be quite tough. Um, yeah, I am. I am awkward. I can't help it. I did it. I mean, actually, most of them I try not to, you know, use the designer brain. And with that, I genuinely wasn't. It's just the actual design of the creature was so effective that I was just like, this won't work. Like, I only realized afterwards, as I finished it, that's kind of what's happening. I just looked at it and went, this won't work. Have you seen that thing? It's not going to follow this, like, football with an alarm clock on it. It's not going to care. It's just going to kill me. Um and so I just never thought to use them. Um, I also hate crafting, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> Dan, do you want to say anything? No, it's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've <laughs> not, <laughs> I don't necessarily have anything to add. I think they're really valid points. Um, I just want to talk about difficulty because we're on kind of on the subject of like save points. How difficult should a horror game be? Because I feel like the difficulty isn't really in like the mechanics or performing whatever you need to do to get to the end of the game, but it's more like um, overcoming, you know, your reservations and having to dive first into scary situations. Um, I feel like that is the difficult part of the game. I know when I was playing The Last of Us, I actually didn't finish it. <laughs> when I was with my friend, we were playing it together, and we used to, we was like swapping uh, whenever one of us died, and I did get about halfway through, and then he left, and I was like, I, I think I stared at the screen for about five, ten minutes, and I was like, no, I can't do it. <laughs> so then I just stopped playing. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, what do you think about difficulty and how difficult should a horror game really be? It depends what you mean by difficulty. If difficulty is just how long it takes you to progress through the game or like how hard the obstacles are, I don't really think that's the important part of it, perhaps. I think like we were saying before, the important part is how the player perceives the world around them. Um, I do think... Uh, I think I mentioned before, like it's always good to have some semblance of familiarity in every scene you're in. Like with Alien Isolation, you're always seeing the same cupboards or like vents. Um, so there's always like elements of familiarity to each environment. Or um, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, so I'm trying to think like presumably because i never even looked at it because as as we have discovered it's not really my jam but like um presumably the difficulty in alien isolation just affects you know uh how sensitive the alien is to you and um that's probably it in fact thinking about how it works i imagine it's mostly a case of uh probably the director feeds it more stuff more frequently and it's probably got uh uh, you know, a tighter leash. You know, it's got a smaller space to roam in, and it probably comes a lot faster to your location and things like that. And so, yeah. I mean, again, I, I hate to say it because, to be clear, I love the game. But so with this difficulty stuff, right? I think actually, meh. Like, I don't think that makes it any more interesting um, at all, right? It's like, okay, it finds me faster, right? Like, you know, what I mean, I don't actually think that's interesting. Um, I think. Though, from memory, I think what probably does make it more interesting is I seem to recall that um, some of the difficulty levels start to turn off some of the things you have or make them less effective. Uh, so, like, the distractions become less effective and the motion tracker is less reliable. That's more interesting. Um, but actually, again, you know, just mechanically making it harder to fight, I don't think is uh, is that interesting. Um and I'm trying to think, actually, telling me, you know, unsurprisingly, a bunch of other horror games I've played, there is no difficulty. Like, there's no, di- there are no difficulty settings. There is no way to change that. The difficulty would be, as you experienced, if you have the mental fortitude to continue. Like, um, I guess that's, yeah, kind of thing that's interesting, right? It's like, and kind of in a way scarier, it's like, well, you can do it. It, it's physically possible you can do those things but will you um and uh, again going back to uh, uh anatomy um again low resolution ps1 it's got like super heavy fog for that kind of reason and the most chilling moments of that are like i'm standing in front of a doorway just going i can open this door but I don't want to open this door right but there's nothing difficult about it i know what i'm supposed to do i know how to do it but it's just uh I don't want to. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think for me, I think that's the most important thing. I think, yeah, the more you start, you know, providing the difficulty options, you know, having like a difficulty slider, the more you're encouraging people to think mechanically, which I think for most horror games is the last thing you want to do, um, which is actually why. Um, I also remember I got fed up with The Last of Us. I didn't actually find it particularly scary at all, but I found it mechanically really frustrating. And in the end, actually, I just watched someone else. I just watched the videos on YouTube of it being played. And actually, what I should have done 
it's just put the difficulty to like mega easy and just got on with it and i probably still would have enjoyed it um yeah so i but yeah i don't know i don't i i personally let's be proof wrong i don't think you can have this kind of high skill high mechanical you know setup where there's this huge skill ceiling and have something be what i consider to be a horror game um you know to take it to an extreme example uh all the challenge missions for example in alien isolation cool idea right but then like that's super mechanical right you can make those as tough as you like but then it's not scary at all like even slightly right it's like here's your challenge you've got however many minutes to do these three things and there's an alien looking for you it's cool it's mechanically very interesting you can make it as difficult as you like but like it's not scary at all is it i don't i don't think it is um other than you know the base level of it might jump out at you but that's not you know i don't know it doesn't it doesn't interest me but i'm not against it being uh you know explored yeah it's it's like you know you've got this new trend in non-horror games right now as well where you have like a sister mode you know like in celeste or spider-man has some elements of that where it's like you can take down the difficulty or like certain elements of the game but it's still enjoyable it's more like i was reading like for horror games what some developers do is care less about gameplay it's more about what experience you want the player to have which is quite cheesy but it's more like you know what emotions do you want them to feel and how mm. do you want your environment and atmosphere to convey that to encourage them to feel those things definitely so i think it's less about actual difficulty easy hard or medium because you know it's not about level of being scared it's just i want this person to be scared i can do it in different ways rather yeah. than being a challenge because then that turns it away from being a horror game to like an action game or something yeah i think so and that's yeah that was a really interesting point though um yeah i think this kind of leads on to another question i wanted to ask was like when you're designing a horror game what design considerations do you need to have i guess i guess you've kind of touched on it but like tangible points someone can go through if they were making a horror game yeah i guess the first thing to say about a horror game is it is the worst type of game to try and prototype ever like it's the worst i can't think of anything worse like on the opposite end of the spectrum uh would be for example uh to prototype a racing game right easy as hell right you can use literally a cube and a flat surface as a road you know just a single poly uh is it fun no then keep going like if your cube racing around a flat track isn't fun doesn't matter if it has the best graphics in the world it still sucks however if you make a horror game where you go right you're going to walk down this corridor and it's going to be really intensely scary and there's going to be this sound and this thing or whatever right you cannot give even the smallest impression of that by having a cube moving down a corridor like you can't it's impossible so as you say you start from this position of like what do i want the player to feel uh you know how is that going to work and then you have to you have to spend a lot of time and build something that looks and feels like that. Um, and again, as as you were saying, like uh, to you know have the touch towards the familiar, right? Uh, it's a common joke, but you know, like in all of the amnesia games and the many many horror games, uh, the toilets work, the sinks work, and you're like, why do we have to spend time making a toilet work in a horror video game? Because it puts you there. Like, if you see a toilet, you think, well, I know how that works. So if if I press the button and it doesn't work, then I'm starting to lose it, right? And it's a very minor point, but I think it's a good example of how, like, you have to build all this stuff in your horror game for it to 
for you to even be able to think about like actually making you know to get across what you want uh, the player to think and feel um, that said I think what you can be mindful of is what we were talking about earlier where obviously you've got to build the mechanics for your game um, but those can be very light you don't you know it's very e easy to over engineer that you they don't need to be complicated but what you do need to spend a lot of time doing I would argue for you know any horror game where you're going to have any degree of mechanical difficulty or interaction you know, there's something pursuing you or whatever um, you need to work hard to actively like, obfuscate how they work you need to think of ways to stop people understanding how they work which again normally in games you want to do the complete opposite but you want to deliberately and clearly think of ways to stop them getting you know understanding it and again you know there's some well-worn examples but those would be if you're making a horror game those would be some of the first things i built like anything that would you know build by basic let's say patrolling ai and then they'd be like right how do i stop the player just following this around the level um and you know as you said there's things like uh you put view cones behind their head that are only receptive to certain things you can make them just sense you within a distance automatically anyway you know it sounds like what they did with alien you know it's like just okay think of the worst kind of player who just wants to you know systemize this and destroy it and then you have to actively thwart that i think is the biggest thing for me um as i said the rest of it yeah it's tough you have to make a lot of stuff to know if it's going to work that's why it's so scary oops uh pun unintended like yeah so we we messed around doing some horror game stuff and you have to make a lot of it before you know if it's going to work and it might not so um or you have to just be really good. As I said, the, the, the frustrating thing is, so like the two, those two examples I keep coming back to, uh, Paratopic and uh, uh, Anatomy, uh, if you look at them, I'm terrible at 3D modeling, uh, but I could do that. I could do that in an afternoon, but I wouldn't. And you know, even if, I, even if I had the idea and built it that way, it's the delivery of the dialogue, it's the placement of the objects, it's the pacing and all that. That's really hard. Like, yeah, it's so easy to get hung up on, uh, yeah, just you know building out this mechanically rich game but as we've you know all discussed like uh actually you scarcely need any mechanics if any like <laughs> so uh good luck yeah i think th this might be a little weird but it kind of reminds me of puzzle games a lot um i remember watching gdc talk that i always keep coming back to uh it was on antichamber mm. and one of the things that the guy was struggling with was he kept testing this one puzzle. And the problem was not that people wouldn't know how to solve the puzzle. It was that they would solve the puzzle, but the kind of lessons they learned and the mental model they've built up in their head of how the systems interacted would then interfere in the future with puzzles later on. Like maybe they hit a next puzzle and try and solve it in a way that was not the intended way just because that was what they took away from the previous puzzle. So I think some of the issues with horror games is you're constantly battling against like what people have learned versus what they expect, how you can subvert that. And uh, it just seems like a lot of user testing just because, especially if you're making the game, you can't ever anticipate um, how people are going to use items you give them or how, how people are going to think of how the way the entities in your game are interacting. Yeah, definitely. Which I think why it's I think if you're again you're making you know a horror game on a small sensible budget, 
uh, avoiding anything human or human-like is a great start because unsurprisingly humans have a lot of expectations about hum- how humans work <laughs> so um yeah i i wouldn't dare like if you make something that looks even kind of human so many assumptions which unless you're going to very clearly and deliberately subvert i think you're just making your life very hard um yeah an interesting point against that would actually be you know sometimes taking advantage of player assumptions and expectations can be good as well Mm. you know like if we have certain biases to how we respond to certain things um kind of lean into that as it would be said as a designer mm-hmm. we really looking at like the psychology behind behind why we feel scared or why we enjoy being scared as well um and how we do naturally fill in the gaps when we have the unknown and things like that i think sometimes when i'm playing horror games it they do kind of forget that sometimes um and i understand there's like different player types but it's considering like really going back to that whole user testing thing and even i guess design phase you know when you do personas and things like that really understanding who you're making your game for um because even games like soma for example it's very in-depth mm-hmm. um and if you're going for a game like that you really need to understand like concepts like consciousness or what it means to be human you can't really just throw in concepts or scary things and assume the player respond a certain way yeah definitely um Overall. it's interesting seeing how they work quite hard to do that like compared to a lot of their previous games um the character you play at like he's quite he's quite chatty uh he will like he will comment on a lot of things and uh and I feel like, I don't know, but I feel like that's actually quite deliberate. Like, um, he says a lot of stuff that you think, if you're if you're already expecting that kind of game, which I was, I'm like, well, obviously. But then you go, oh, actually, okay, I think you're just, you're bringing everyone along for the ride. Um, but you're right, I think, you know, they had to consider that, okay, some people will be looking for this. You know, they're waiting for it, like I was. And other people might just be expecting, you know, jump scare horror games so they get, uh, you know, drawn towards it um and i think i think you're right i think they spend a lot of time thinking about the different kinds of people that will play it like for example i am not one of the players as discussed who will like read every single log entry and put it all together um but they you know they worked very hard that that all makes sense and sure enough i looked online there's a whole timeline figuring out where everyone was what they were doing and some people love that so they were covered (laughs) um yeah i think it's I think you're right, though. I think you have to, you do have to have some idea of who you're making it for and what they're going to be looking for. Because um, I was reading one of the frictional game blog posts, and they were talking about when they were designing, I think it was Amnesia, and what they would do was for each level they'd kind of note down the basics. So like, what was the lighting? What was the mood? What was the atmosphere? How is the player meant to feel? Um, and they said like defining that for each scene or level really help them understand the user journey mm. um, and I think you can then iterate based on that and it help, it, it's quite effective as well in terms of time um, and creating a really good vision for your game as well um, taking it in small steps but understanding the overall narrative or the impact you have because I think one of the most important things is what p- feeling do you want the player to leave with mm-hmm which can be quite tough to decide. Definitely. Like I said, it's like 
I think, well, as we said, with like, uh, it's 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 one area where I think it's the same as film. I think a lot of people who haven't, which you know, to be fair to them, they haven't given it a great deal of thought. But I think a lot of people think it's very easy to make a horror movie and it's very easy to make a horror game and uh, it's very easy to make a bad one. Like, um, but to actually make a good one is probably is probably one of the hardest genres to get right. Um, which is why I think when there are, you know, good ones, be it films or games, like you'll find that those people can turn their hands to anything else. Um, yeah, it's, as I said, like we spent a bit of time doing it and it's like, we're under no illusions that it'll be easy, but um, it's, yeah, this, you have to, a lot of stuff has to work at the same time, you know, to get it to, you know, as I said, well, yeah, to, in terms of prototyping and stuff, you know, most games can be fun with just cubes, color cubes, uh, horror games really can't because yeah you have to have these very clear ideas of how you want people to feel and how you achieve that is yeah very multifaceted uh it's yeah it's 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 tough i think it was interesting that you were talking about you know it being different for each person i remember reading something that um suggested that there should be some element of variety in the horror that you're providing in that you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Just because, mm-hmm. you know, this person found something terrifying doesn't mean that the next person necessarily will, because we are all scared of different things. Um, one example that was given was spiders. Some people are absolutely, you know, horrified by spiders, but other people doesn't bother them in the slightest. I know when <laughs> when Elise in League of Legends, when Elise was released for League of Legends, who was a character basically based on like a spider, um, there were people who were so scared that they were looking for mods that would replace the model of what Elise actually looked like, just so they didn't have to deal with a spider in their game. Um, and, you know, that wasn't even intended to be scary. So, I don't know. I think it's it, it can be interesting that, you know, maybe if you're testing with too small a group, you might, you know, you might have a bunch of people who are all sort of scared by the same things when really you're kind of like missing out on a few tricks. It makes me wonder really how you remedy that. I think like having a variety of threats or bad guys might help solve that problem. The example that came to mind was Silent Hill. I feel like in Silent Hill there's such a range of weird, grotesque monsters that, um, you know, something for all the family to be scared by. (laughs) (laughs) But... um, I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily always possible um, or if it is that important or if, you know, if you set up for one aesthetic and it's like, you know, we're doing space alien creatures, that's what you get. That's what you bought. You know, that was that's what the game says. It says alien. That's what it's called. What were you expecting? So I don't know necessarily how many tastes you need to cover. Yeah, I think, I mean, this, I'd say I feel there's a couple of approaches, right? One is that, yeah, you can upfront. Uh, aim for something you know of that superficial level like yeah it's space aliens or yeah it's I don't know spiders or whatever instantly I always keep meaning to look at why why is the fear of spiders so common why why anyway um <laughs> I do always I keep meaning to look it up but anyway um or so you can go for something like that which is like yeah lots of people are afraid of, are frightened of spiders okay I'll do that lots of people don't like this or I think what you find some of the other ones do is um again applies to both film and game is you look at what the root of those is right like um for example right with uh with alien right uh it's not really about a space alien it's you know it's about 
the fear of the unknown right which is a base fear everyone is uh, to some degree or another afraid of the unknown um you know as you said like as you're saying earlier like sticking your hand into the darkness right that's a base thing that if handled correctly everyone can tap into that um and again with soma right there's other bits and pieces but the base of that is like yeah existentialism you know what does it mean to be alive um again you know if handled the right way everyone has you know well unless i would yeah i'd say most people are probably not particularly looking forward to dying or thinking about that or dealing with that or dealing with people around them dying stuff like that that's you know those are quite base things that you can tap into uh and i think yeah i feel like those are your two approaches and um i tend to be yeah more interested in the ones that go for this you know base level again when we've talked about some of the not so good examples i think their primary failing is probably yeah either you know willfully or not misunderstanding this it's like you know if you ask them about alien you go oh what's the best thing about alien oh it's the alien it's like it's not really you know i mean it's not literally it you know in the first film in particular right it really is a guy in a suit and you see half of it for about two seconds in the whole film it's it's not really about that it's about you know these this bunch of people that all thought they were going to survive and they didn't um which i think you know applies to many things and obviously hey literal you know essays and theses have been written about that film there's a lot more going on but i guess all i'm saying is yeah if you were to look at that film and decide that the scariest thing was the creature you're wrong right it's not really um uh so yeah i think you just have to know the target that you're aiming for and make sure that you hit it and i don't think it i don't think it matters what that is uh too much but come on Nita, tell me why why are people why are most not most why are a lot of people afraid of spiders i want to know okay um so from what i know it's a lot of it is the fear of the unknown mainly the unpredictability that comes with them um apparently it's the actual shape of the legs freaks people out as well and the fact that they're dark and they can run around and do anything without you knowing what they're going to do interesting i wondered if like part of it was uh the movement because they move with like it's like hydraulic right which is yeah, not how really. basically anything well not anything but many things do not move in that way but uh huh interesting because yeah, it's just such a strange thing when you well like you know all phobias i guess i'm like I have gradually trained myself to be less afraid of spiders, but I'm st- I still couldn't just pick one up and have it in my hands. And you look at it and you're like, why? Why is this so common? <laughs> Although, yeah. actually, I've just remembered another part I seem to recall, isn't it? Um, it kind of gets... Um, you pick it up from your parents, right, I think? And my mum is... Oh, I, I, again, I'm not claiming this as fact, but I think I have heard that, obviously, like... You know generally it's a good instinct if you're a child if your parent is afraid of something that you are also afraid of the thing because hey if it's a lion and they're afraid of it probably a good idea that you're afraid of it too um and my mum is terrified of spiders so hey i don't know sorry sidetrack about spiders <laughs> you just reminded me about the whole thing i also think that they're kind of like random number generators like if you <laughs> if you go towards a spider like i want anyone to tell me the odds that it either runs towards you or runs away or runs into a crack somewhere like they don't have any brains so like figuring out <laughs> what they're going to do next is almost impossible mm. yeah and that's interesting uh, i'm definitely going to look that up later probably when it's light outside <laughs> um so yeah going from spiders back to aliens i actually want to delve deeper into that topic um 
Chris, you were talking about, you know, there are some great horror games out there, but sometimes there are some, like, fallbacks or things that they're lacking. You know what I mean? Like, you can create the perfect experience, but sometimes it doesn't always go that way. Yes. So, sorry, what are you asking? So, like, just, I guess, expand on that point about, you know, when you're saying Alien's too long or right. it's too predictable. Yeah, I think so. There are other examples, but I think the thing with Alien and why I was always interested in it is a game uh, is because I looked at it. Uh, I actually I, I tried to work at that studio pretty hard when that game came around because the thing that's fascinating about it to me um, from the game you know industry side is I go, okay, um, I don't think these goals are compatible. Right, the goal is so you've got the situation where it's like okay, it's Sega and it's Fox and it's this huge IP. Right, okay, it has to be a box title. It has to cost whatever the hell a box title costs. I never buy them, but let's whatever that is, what forty pounds, fifty pounds, a lot right um therefore it has expectations it needs to be 20 plus hours long it needs to, it needs to have a new game plus it needs to have all of this stuff and i'm like right okay for the reasons we've described that's not possible you cannot maintain the tension for this long you cannot you know you cannot obf- obfuscate mechanics for this long and also you have this creature that even though they don't people think they know um and so the solution in alien is they go okay well we have to it has to be 20 hours long right it has to be 20 hours long um and we have to make these challenge modes where okay we are we're leaning heavily on our mechanics we're exposing the mechanics we're leaning on them here's all this extra stuff um and that side of it air eh, fine you know because it's side content it doesn't affect the main game positively or negatively it's just making the best of what you have however in the main game the issue they have right is they need to mix up the pacing because it's not it's literally not sustainable so you have periods where the alien goes away and they're quite overt about it right i don't remember exactly how they do it it's been a long time since i played it but basically the designer subtext is the alien is going away now don't worry about it you know like uh and so they go okay well the tension is released uh you know quite clearly they go there is there's less tension here and you have the uh the androids right which are much more even though they have some quirks to start with they're basically much more traditional stealth uh you know like sneak up behind them knock them out drag them around that sort of thing and you're like okay but this is even though they did the best they could with that this is padding right it's it's padding to reach 20 hours like it's it's Hmm. like it's 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 time to let you decompress and chill out a bit um without actually stopping playing it and so you know they do that and then to their credit like they they work in the humans and they work in the androids and they do make interesting sandbox elements where you're like okay well i could deal with this but then i can't deal with that and then the alien come in comes in but again for the reasons we've discussed like um for me that's uh it's all mechanics focused right which takes away from what the game it is to me like if i'm starting to think about this mechanically like oh i can throw this device over there and then the alien will kill those guys and then i can get through here and i'm like yeah all right but i don't want to do that um and compare that with a product that you know unfortunately for the realities i've described can't exist uh imagine an alien game that was two hours long 
Mm. And it was it was just the best bits of Alien Isolation, but it was about two hours long. I, the alien doesn't need to be anywhere near as sophisticated, and it doesn't. You don't need humans. You don't need this big intro. You don't need this big outro. You don't need there's like whole flashbacks in Alien Isolation, right? And um, you just, as far as I'm concerned, with like the core experience, you just don't need any of that stuff. It doesn't. It doesn't really do anything. But they were constricted by the fact. Again, I don't know this, but like, I don't know this if you know what I mean. But I know, right, that they they will have had a thing where it's like the game's got to be twenty hours long. Yeah, this is not negotiable. It has to be twenty hours long, and they've done it. But yeah, you just have you have all these things where you're like, this isn't what I consider to be the core of the game. It's not adding to it. Um, and yeah, I think that's the problem. Like none of those things I've described. There's nothing wrong with any of those, but you could lose them and the game would be no worse. Um. And so I feel that's actually similar for Dead Space as well. Like um, they both, uh, let's not talk about three, it never happened, but one and two, um, you know, they have degrees of padding because they have to reach 20 hours or however long those are. Um, And you go, okay, we don't, we don't really need this. Like we don't really need all this. Um, It doesn't help because again, if you think of these, right, both Dead Space and Alien Isolation, the time and money and resources that will have been spent making like the introductions to those games, like the big flowery introductions. Um, in terms of like the real horror experience, they, they don't add a tremendous amount, but they are stupendously expensive. And it's like, like we could just not, like, um, I think you see, you know, great examples where people just don't need this stuff. I think it's all... Yeah, it's this whole situation where you have to pad something to fit this antiquated notion of uh, a box title that lasts you this long. And I think the the cool thing is, I think gradually that is going away. Um, I think that um, as much as I love Dead Space, it's actually great that it died because the whole issue was it's like, hey, here's the things, you know, all the things we've been talking about, here's the things that makes horror niche and interesting to a certain category of people and effective. And, you know, it's very counter what the general, uh, you know, the way games work is. And then for someone to say, great, but can you make all of those people like it and make it 20 hours long? It's like, well, no, I cannot. That's not possible. Um, And as I said, Dead Space, well, actually, they're both great examples, right? Dead Space... EA tried very hard, spent a huge amount of money, didn't work. Alien Isolation tried once, nailed it, did the best they could in those constraints. That'll never happen again. Like, that'll just never happen again because you can, well, again, up for debate. Uh, you know, what do you guys feel? Like, I don't think, I don't think you can make, um, you know, games like those. I don't think you can, and I don't think you should try and make those, uh, you know, a mass market that they they can sell in that in that way um i'm much more interested for those kind of games the things that are a couple of hours long and they're like 10 pounds i'll do that all day long yeah i mean i think that like you said people are always going to have that uh length equals money value mm. um with games but maybe there is space for people to try out like especially triple a having smaller teams going for shorter length games and maybe going for like a 20 to 25 pound like markup mm. instead of like 40 to 60 um talking about the mid-tier game studios yeah but i, I don't know <laughs> yeah that's the problem it's, no i'd, I'd like it to, I'd like it to come back um i think some people would say 
I hate the phrase, but it, it's sort of, you know, it, it's a shorthand to kind of explain the sort of thing. I think there's a, there's a triple I that's kind of starting to fill that space, like indies that have had a, you know, a reasonable amount of success and have some budget. Um, so you get things like, uh, it's not horror, obviously, but sort of production value-wise, uh, things like Tacoma and Firewatch and things like that, where it's like, okay, this didn't cost... 50 million pounds but it didn't cost five pounds either uh i think you know yeah i think i think eventually everything will work out just fine but i think horror like as a box title next to call of duty to me is just like no like don't don't try and do that it's i i don't think that can work but i guess the the kind of antithesis of it is that you might end up with essentially what telltale had where you you've that's exactly what came to mind for me you figure out the kind of formula and then you repeat it and then you make some horrible business decisions and then you let go all of your employees without telling them anything (laughs) Um, so yeah I I can kind of see it like I to some degree like when you have those studios that make a really good title and then disappear and then do something else it's actually kind of preferable than just hey we figured out how to sell shorter games through a formula and we're going to keep repeating this until we've like murdered that entire genre yeah you're right i think it's less i guess way to put it for me is i guess like using dead space as as an example right with dead space one it would have been nice for them to go hey we invested some money in an, in an experimental thing that was cool right what's next instead of okay well uh we're gonna make a, a movie a two, two movies and we're gonna we're gonna make a sequel and a sequel to a sequel and you need to make more money each time and it's like <laughs> nah just like again the nature of the business you can't you know they have shareholders so you can't do this but i wish they could be like okay we'll take one percent five percent of our profits and just go there you go just do something with it i don't care what it does um I think Sony used to do well. I think they literally did this, but it felt like they had more stuff in this category for want of a better phrase where it's like, um, you know, a prestige title. Uh, it doesn't actually, it's not actually making bank, but it's just a cool thing to exist. Um, I don't, I obviously don't have, and even if I could, couldn't share the sales data, but my strong gut feeling, uh, and I'm sure people have said it on record before, but uh, again, a racing example, sorry about my past, uh, is uh, Wipeout on the PlayStation, right? I'm pretty sure that never really made much money, but it didn't matter because it was cool and it was on the PlayStation. Um, and so sometimes, you know, it'd be nice for there to be stuff like that. And I think, as I said, I think gradually smaller indies are kind of filling that gap. I think they're more suited to it. Um, hmm. And you have the you have the stuff like the two I've mentioned, where it's like literally a handful of people, spare time. It's an hour or two long. Works. Soma is actually pretty long. Um, I think actually Soma is ah no Soma's ten hours, and that's that's enough. Uh, honestly, you finish it and you go good. That's enough. And that um, so frictional are small. They're not that small but they're all remote so that's a sustainable setup uh and then yeah like once you get beyond that i just as i said either you have to by the nature of it have this formula that you keep repeating or i think you know by the nature of what horror is if you try and smooth off all the rough edges so it's everything to everyone you just don't have anything i think for some genres like obviously that is never good like it's always very bland but i think for some genres you can get away with a lot of it but i think for horror it has to be kind of you know sharp and pointy if you smooth it all off like 
no one has any reaction to it. Like everyone's reaction to it is like, yeah. um, which hey, you know, that's Dead Space Three, right? Everyone's <laughs> reaction to Dead Space Three should be, yeah, okay. yeah, which isn't right. You should either be like, I absolutely hate it, or I think it's amazing, or you know, it really scared me, or, or I didn't find any of it scary. Whereas everyone's reaction was like, yeah, seven out of ten. I rented it and then I forgot about it, um, and that. You know that you cannot have that at the horror game. If it, if you don't remember it after you finished it, what's the point? It does kind of it kind of reminds me of um, there was a Kickstarter for System Shock. Some people were remaking it because they had the license, and they put out a demo for the Kickstarter. Everyone loved it. Um, it was very reminiscent of the old System Shock. It was an exact remake of the levels. And then they kind of went for a year without much communication, and what they came out with was a really nice like. Unreal Engine, well-lit, well-modeled um, game with a complete redesign of the original levels and a completely different look. And everyone hated it because mm-hmm. they just wanted the, the, the game that they'd showed before, but in a newer thing. So sometimes I feel like the problem with some of these franchises is they make a game and then they think, well, we need to make another one, but we need to make it better. We need to abrogate date the graphics and update the mechanics. Yeah. And, um, There's like a trap yeah. there, especially for AAA. I think it but... definitely is. I mean, I don't want to get side. I, I won't, and I won't have <laughs> to get too sidetracked by it. But definitely, you have this problem where, um, and I realise how this sounds, but I think I think even people that would be sort of mildly offended by it on reflection would think, okay, this is true. Is a lot of people say, oh, I want something new, fresh, and exciting. It's like you really don't. You want something that is mostly familiar with a little bit. A little bit different. That's what most people want most of the time, which is why, hey, the biggest movies and the biggest games tend to be, it's X, but why, <laughs> right? Um, and that's that's fine. Um, and again, that is poorly suited to horror because of all the things we've talked about. It needs to have a great degree of the unknown. It needs to remove all these familiar tools. You know, if you have all this knowledge about how these things work, if it's like, okay, terrible example. You know, it's like it's Alien. But the alien's hmm. red. It's like, okay, who cares? Um, whereas you could probably apply that same level of difference to, you know, hey, again, why not? A racing game, and that's fine. You go, hey, it's that racing game you played last year, but now the cars are faster. Like, not going to blow anyone's <laughs> mind, but some people would be like, hmm, okay, yeah, I'll go for that. Whereas, you, you know, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for horror. Um, so, yeah. I Well, hey, again, that links back to what I'm saying. I think... I don't think horror is a good fit for like you know uh, AAA studios. I think uh, it's not impossible, but it's 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 very hard. I mean, I'm thinking of the the, the only one of my examples I think that bucks that trend slightly is uh, Until Dawn, right? Which I think was successful. However, I seem to recall I think it was commercially successful eventually, right? I seem to recall that. Uh, as Sony just kind of uh, sent it out to die, I seem to recall it just appeared, which is always a sign of like, oh, well, okay, this happened. Uh, and then suddenly it did really well. Um, and, you know, that, that you know, did good things for that studio. But because that's an example where obviously all, the, all of their capture stuff and the actors they had involved and stuff like that, that's money and resources that, mm. you know, you can't do that without them. Um, but mostly I, yeah i just i just think it's a real struggle because yeah you need this new you need people to be uh you know to a degree which is difficult to judge and different for every person you need people to be 
uncomfortable and confused and scared right and again if you think of most things that's not what people want like um i can't you know a different example but if you think of like music right pop music uh pop music it's an art form and i've got a huge appreciation for it. i don't really like much of it but there's an appreciation for the fact that it's like oh this is something that sounds familiar to me even though i've never heard it before and yeah people you know rip into that all the time right it's like oh god it's just the same thing it's like it's very similar but it's not the same and that's actually that is a skill that is an art and that is a skill but i don't think you can get that to work for you know horror i just don't think it works yeah, I think there's a few problems with that. It, like you were saying before, with a prototype, you have to get so far down the road before you even know if it's any good or not, and it's a bit coin flip for a AAA studio to be making those sort of risks. Um, and the way we were talking about, you know, would you have an episodic structure if you were to sh- split these games up so they're shorter? Um, because really, I know you were talking about, you know, the game... Um, Alien was being, you know, way too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout that whole experience, you've got all the shared assets, the monster. I haven't played it myself, but I assume it's the same monster the whole way through. Kinda. Can we spoil okay. it? Um, <laughs> Do you mind? Spoiler alert. That's fine. I'm not bothered. No. Go ahead. Uh, so, okay. From memory, it's a long time since I played it. From memory, there's one. Then you blow it out an airlock. Then there's another one. Or well, I think you think it's the first one, but actually it's another one. Then for a little bit, there's three of them, and then at the end, there's loads of them, and the game ends. So essentially, it's the same one, but they kind of make it look like it's not the same one. It's red. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, I mean, it's funny because you have you do have this brief period where there's three of them, and unfortunately, that's where my you know designer brain won't shut down. I'm like, if there's three of them, you've made them all thicker like there's no way they're threatening and so i'm like i'm supposed to probably be really scared by this but i'm actually less scared by it because it's not feasible that they're each you know as deadly as one of them um but yeah i mean so i'm not necessarily saying i guess yeah i'm not necessarily saying hey take alien isolation cut it into let's say five chunks uh i'm saying take alien, alien isolation and throw away like well don't make in the first place most of it and then be like yeah and be like cool um but as i said i'm aware for that level of fidelity and for a studio of that size you cannot do that but in my opinion and obviously you know not everyone has to feel that way and i know hey including the lead designer don't feel that way um you know, uh, I think it would be better if it was a couple of hours long and you had, you know, a few intense moments and then you go, that was nice, I had a good time. Whereas for me, the last couple of hours, I'm just like, please finish, please end. Like, I'm not scared at all, I just want this to finish. Please stop it. I've seen the alien in every location, every colour, every corner. Just stop being a game now. And if I'm thinking like that, it's just, you know, it's taking me out of it. Whereas I think of shorter horror experiences i've had and i finish it just going well you know just finish it thinking i wish there was a little bit more rather than i've gone from like for me for that for me with alien the whole arc was like this game is brilliant it's amazing we're having such a good time it's so great it's so great it's really great okay oh now i'm kind of fed up now and oh, no, i'm really fed up now no no i'm not the androids again no <laughs> no 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 and so yeah you know i mean by the end of it my 
because uh, again, another psychological concept I've forgotten the name of. Like the things you tend to remember the most from experience is like the beginning and the end, right? And I remember the beginning and it was great. And I remember the end and how I felt. And I felt like, thank God this is over. That was my final thought of Alien Isolation was not like, whew, what a great experience. I was like, thank God this has finished. Um, which I don't, I don't want to end any experience that way. Um, but as I said, that is completely up for debate. That just for me, that's how I feel with a lot of these experiences. Like for horror and stuff, I think unless you're dealing with a lot of big concepts over a lot of time, I just, I think it's mostly padding and I think it's the nature of an old, you know, an old, uh, well, it's the nature of an old sort of way of doing things, AAA, and also the necessity of, um, the size of teams and budgets. Like you can't do this. I wish you could. I wish you could run a massive company and go, sorry, shareholders, we're not going to make any profit this year because I want to waste some money on a prestige title. Like here's my pitch. Only 5% of the people will care about this game, but they'll really love it. And it'll be like, yeah, or not that. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I don't think you'll ever get away with it. <laughs> yeah, just on that psychology point, it's um, it's a form of memory thing that people do, where it's like when you're given a list of words, you tend to rehearse the first slot that comes in. So that goes into your long-term memory. Because you're busy doing that, you forget what's in the middle. And, but you remember what's right at the end because that's in your short-term memory. Nice. That's the thing. Thank you. That is the thing <laughs> I was thinking of. And it, yeah, I mean, unsurprisingly, uh, it's true. That is, I do tend to remember those things in very little of the middle. <laughs> Same with films as well. Um, yeah. Um, but hey, I, I, I guess I just want to balance the stress. I like a lot of the stuff in Alien Isolation is still the best and it's fantastic and it's a great experience and they made a thing that you know what probably in, in we're talking of like triple a audience most people don't like um and i remember some of the friends that company used to work at hated it and genuinely for the reasons i said earlier that's a huge success like huge success to me it's like a creative success i think it's a fantastic success i just wish i didn't have to make it that long <laughs> yeah so anyone want to add anything else to what we can do to improve horror games or things we can avoid. Uh, one point that didn't really get mentioned was having high tension and low tension points. I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, I think it can be easy to fall into the trap of thinking it's a horror game. It has to be scary 24-7 the whole way through, whereas you can get a bit of mileage out of having you know the high tension situations and then uh, bits where it's a little calmer, maybe it's deceptively calmer even, just to catch somebody off guard. Um, but by giving them some sort of peaks and troughs, it kind of fits the, um, there's like a graph about movie tension. Um, mm. And I think it applies to games as well, where you sort of, you, you build the tension and then you lower it, not right back down to the bottom, but it lowers a little bit and then it rises even higher and then lowers a little bit. And the, the tension does gradually grow, but if it comes in peaks and troughs, it kind of, it gives the player a chance to sort of collect their nerves a little bit. Um, instead of feeling like they're on the edge of a heart attack for the entire game. Mm. <laughs> um, and also those peaceful moments can even, they can be tense within themselves as well, because you know you're never really safe since it is a horror game. Um, but maybe it's, you know, slightly less frightening than having three aliens crawling around. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think you can do that. Uh, so as I said, like Alien Isolation, I can't remember exactly how it does it. 
but it's pretty overt. Actually, yeah, we've already gone one in spoiler territory. It's so the the first time, right? You literally blow it out of an airlock and see it leave. So for a while, at least, you're like, okay, this thing is not a threat anymore, and it's quite clear. It's like it's not here, so don't worry about it, and you can kind of just move around for a bit. It's never like zero tension, but it's a clear like things are probably fine for a bit. Um, and so most of the other situations for that like that i can recall like alien isolation doesn't do like for example like uh which i remember famously being shown when it started like in most games right if you enter like animations for stuff you're gonna be safe like in most games if you started the save animation it would just save anyway but in alien isolation if you start it and the alien sees you it kills you um and so yeah they they, they always keep that tension up but it reminds me of some stuff in Dead Space where they do have this set of rules and they do subvert them eventually. Um, I think it's in Dead Space 1, but it doesn't matter which one. Um, but you have this thing where you go to workbenches and you can upgrade your weapons and stuff. And there's this little animation where, you know, the bench opens up and he puts his weapon down and the, the third-person camera kind of comes in a bit over his shoulder. And uh, you do this loads of times through the game. And so, you know, it's kind of telling you, hey, you know what, you're safe when this is happening. Like, nothing's going to appear. And uh, one time in the game, and I'm not sure if, it's all, if it always happens in the same place, probably is, but anyway, one time in the game, when you're finished in the bench, as the camera pulls back to like gameplay perspective level, perfectly framed as like an enemy just has just appeared behind you and starts attacking you. So it kind of, yeah, you have the situation where you're like, ah, this is fine. I've done this loads of times, nothing will happen. And then, yeah, it's like, it's not actually that threatening, but it, yeah, it tends to make you jump. So yeah, I thought that was fun. I wish they'd done more of it. They have a couple like that, but... Uh... Not many, but yeah, I, I agree. You need it. You you need some times where, um, yeah, the game has. I think the game has to be pretty, pretty overt, really, in telling you that like, oh, and everything is fine for a bit. Um, because as you say, if you don't, if you're not pretty goddamn clear about it, it just maintains attention because you think something is just about to happen. So um, at least that's how I feel about it. Um, I think most most games tend to make that you know, quite clear. Yeah, there's like daylight or it's a very well-lit room or the music's gone back to something peaceful as opposed to being tense or silent. Mm. Yeah. I feel like we've gathered a long, long list of stuff you can... <laughs> yeah, um, a list of things that you can use when designing a horror game, but also stuff you can explore because I think there are like certain holes or areas that we're lacking currently which we can improve on. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying that, we now go on to our bonus question, <laughs> which is, based on everything we've spoken about, if you were to design a horror game, what would it be? And you've only got roughly 30 seconds to a minute to explain it. Who wants to go first? <laughs> Someone has to. I'll go with mine, it's terrible, I'll get that out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to make a multiplayer co-op game where voice comms are in-game and um, the voice comms cut out every now and then. So you're not really with the person in the same room, maybe it's like a radio, um, but that's like your main way of um, talking to each other. And I would love them to have moments where they keep bumping into each other and they like scare the living wits out of each other because they both think that the other person is the monster. Yeah. That's my pitch. <laughs> okay, uh, ironically, mine's also a multiplayer co-op game, which is probably not the best thing to do in like a horror game. Um, but I love the idea of like shelter. Uh, so I was thinking something along the lines of like the long dark, 
where it's this constant kind of winter, you're just trying to scavenge for food, essentially, combined with some kind of like horror of beasts in the night, um, kind of like the Upside Down. Um, so during the day, you'd have to roam out to get food to go back to your home and basically survive. But during the night, um, beasts would come in and in any space where there wouldn't be a player, they would like wreck stuff. So your range of shelters would be limited. If you went to another town, if you didn't get back by nighttime, the monsters could ravage your house back at your main town. Um, but also like the more food you carry, the more weighed down you'd get. So you'd have like a trade-off of like, do we want to stay here and have our previous shelter destroyed? Or do we want to make this our new shelter? Or I don't know. I don't know if it would work out at all. But... It sounds like there's quite a few moral choices for survival choices. Yeah, just the idea of like having somewhere to call home, I guess I find that idea mm. interesting. Um, and, and having that in jeopardy. and Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Chris, do you have any ideas? Uh, so kind of something. Yeah, so it's not a multiplayer co-op game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's sort of, um, sort of a murder mystery type thing. And uh, the conceit is that uh, you only get visuals of the location at two times. Like it could be a room or a whole area. It doesn't really matter, but let's, let's say it's a room. You're only allowed to look at the room uh, at the start of the encounter and at the end of the encounter so like you know start off lovely and clean at the end it looks like something in viscera cleanup detail maybe or maybe it doesn't maybe actually it's quite subtle but anyway the gameplay comes from for the entire rest of uh the experience for reasons uh you have no visuals all you can do is uh activate various microphones or recording devices in the space and try and decide what happened so you know you might have ones that are on people or on cameras or on you know some recording device in a room basically anything you know non-visual so you could have fun situations you know where one of the one of the mics might actually be attached to the monster so you could listen to that or one of them might be uh i don't know yeah i don't know yeah well the obvious ones are like one's attached to the monster one's attached to um the thing that it kills and then just various things in the room with various levels of, you know, obfuscation. So I think it'd be fun to do that. Um, yeah, something like that. Just something where I don't have to make any monster visuals. Because why do it when you don't have to? That sounds quite complex, I guess, to design, maybe. I'm not sure about art, but about design anyway. Oh, well, i got to make my life <laughs> difficult somehow. Um. So my idea, I wasn't too sure. So I, because I do like psychological horror, I want to do something where you're messing around with illusions, I think, um, especially on mobile, because mobile has this interesting thing, you know, where you need to understand everything, at least from the tutorial perspective. So it'd be really interesting to have a horror game where you're not really understanding anything that's going on. So it's kind of a contrasting thing, platform versus genre. I don't know if there are any horror games on mobile, actually. Um I can't think of any. <laughs> or ported to Nintendo Switch even. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like a horror thing where you're messing around with illusions where the player thinks stuff is happening but actually nothing's actually happening in the game. So, But I don't know how to make that too scary. But yeah, there anyone have any... Hmm? I'm sure there are always. <laughs> <laughs> anyone have any final thoughts on horror games and making them? Uh, despite mostly moaning about them, I really like them. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, it's it's 
as I said, it's something that I think a lot of people think is very easy, but it's probably one of the hardest things to get right. But um, it's one of the few where you can really lay into like, you know, core fears and concepts of being a human. As I said, you know, like, yeah, you know, from my experience, like, yeah, most gather games are so, you know, mechanically focused and that's fun and satisfying. But this is, you can do whatever you want. You know, you can, it can be... It can be a story about a single person in a single room and it can be just as interesting and you know thought provoking as a game that cost 50 million quid and is the most photorealistic thing you've ever seen um i think yeah i think that alone just makes them you know a re- it's just a really interesting space to work in yeah awesome thank you so much for joining us we've learned a lot i think and we've got a lot to think about after this um, to anyone listening out there, if you are still listening after nearly two hours, thank you for joining us. Um, if you have any ideas or thoughts about horror games in general or anything we've spoken about, do co- comment on our Twitter page, which is at Level Edit. Um, but yeah, subscribe and the usual stuff that YouTubers say about their channels, but same for our podcast. Um, yeah, thank you for listening and we'll be back soon. Bye. 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 Did it.